0: So I'm at Harbor Surfboards in Seal Beach with Robert Housen, um, who owns the retail portion of the business. And then we also just chatted with Rich Harbor, who the famous Rich Harbor surfboard shaper, um, who owns the surfboard side of the business still with his family. That's correct. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the company.
1: Well, I got involved in harbor surfboards probably in the 80s as somebody coming in as a young guy who wanted to buy a board and uh, ended up uh, buying several and riding uh, competitively on a harbor surfboard for a period of time. Not too successfully, mind you, but (laughs) I definitely enjoyed the harbor surfboard. And uh, so consequently, I made a lot of friends here in Seal Beach and uh, riding harbor surfboards and met Rich.
0: Yeah. And so why did you become involved? Why did he want to bring you on?
1: Uh, that's a curious thing. My uh one of my uh good friends, Aaron Pye, uh with HSNS, I was working with him and uh Rich would ask me, Hey, you know, how how are things going at H S N S? And I said, Oh, you're going fantastic, it's really amazing, they're growing well. And Rich hadn't yet explored how to do things with uh, some brands uh that were coming up in at that time, which was Billabong, Instinct, O'Neill, Quicksilver, and all that sort of thing. So, the soft goods side, he really hadn't explored. And so, when I sort of let him know how that was, he basically said, Well, can you do that for me? And after a few years and a lot of conversation, I ended up working with him here and helping him develop uh, what was then the growing surfboard uh, soft goods side of the market.
0: And then you left for a while and then came back as a partner?
1: Yes, I did. I I left for a while because I'd kind of done what I felt was my job here, and I knew uh, I needed to grow. And so I left to do other things. And after leaving, Rich essentially said, hey, man, you got to come back. I hate this. And I went, what? He goes, I hate retail. I absolutely (laughs) can't stand it. And uh, all I ever wanted to do was build boards. And so um, I was able to come back.
0: That's great. Yeah. And why did you decide to come back?
1: Um, because Rich offered me an opportunity they I couldn't pass up. So, you know, as a young guy, I didn't have uh, really too many resources to go out and create a surf shop on my own, nor did I think that it uh, was a good move. But uh, coming into a business that was already succeeding on the surfboard side and had a lot of potential on the uh, brand development side, I said, heck, I've got nothing to lose. Let's just give this a go and... and um you know, I was lucky I was able to get on board.
0: So, you know, there's a lot of surf shops out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. A lot of, how how do you guys keep your story unique? How how do you differentiate?
1: Um, a couple different ways. The first thing is that we're part of a town. Seal Beach is Harbor Surfboards, and Harbor Surfboards is Seal Beach. Uh, Seal Beach has been a cornerstone for surf development since the 60s. So for us, it's just a matter of growing a brand. It's continuing to grow a brand and keeping it um, desirable, especially for the people that actually live here. So what we're doing is we're building building from the, inside out we're not trying to go for oh that's a market that we don't have or let's let's just try to get that no let's make it a family brand first let's grow this thing from the inside out and if people like our story that's great they can come on board as well
0: what about so how's business let me just ask you that how's the retail business going
1: uh, I would describe it as adequate um, I feel very very fortunate to be a part of it but there are certainly a lot of factors that are um, you know getting in the way of the potential growth of retail, and and I worry about retail as a whole. I think that uh, we've been fortunate that we've been able to develop our own brand and, you know, have a reason for being. And and, uh, I would uh, not recommend anybody jump into it uh, without something valid.
0: Right. So you have that Harbor brand Mm -hmm. that is so powerful because it's been around since the 60s. Yep, absolutely. Right. And how important is that private label to you guys?
1: That private label is the most important thing that we have. If we didn't have that private label, I don't think it could continue to exist. Yeah. So our private label is everything.
0: Yeah. And what kind of categories do you do in it?
1: Fortunately for us, the screen side of things is super, super strong. So we don't overthink things. We If a good t-shirt and, you know, I've had people come back and, and go, gosh, you know, I got to get another Harbor t-shirt. This one's lasted me the last 10 years. I love hearing that because they still feel that they identify with the the store, if not also the town. Some people move away or for whatever reasons. And still our screened products are, are by far the things that do the best. We've dabbled in cut and sew a little bit, and to a certain degree we've been successful. But for the most part, anything that's uh, screen-driven is amazing for us.
0: Oh, that's great. It's how know. nice to have that. Yeah, it's, it's great.
1: It's great for margins. It's great all the way around, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really keeps the doors open. And, and uh, I think for a store of our size, that's the primary focus.
0: And how big is the store?
1: This is about 2,200 square feet.
0: Yeah, so it's small, yeah, but have a small. great location.
1: Yeah, we've been fortunate with the location. Um, right
0: you, on Main Street in Seal Beach. Right on
1: Main. You could drive right by it if you're on Coast Highway, but fortunately, um, you know, our greatest asset is uh, our customers, and word of mouth has been just the most wonderful thing. Um, we are very, very careful on how we, um, who we partner with, who we advertise with, all those sorts of things, so our customer is number one.
0: Yeah, so um, I was also surprised not a lot of big brand build-outs, yeah, very different from a lot of surf shops these days. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, My personal philosophy is that I don't go with large brand build-outs. The brand that you should recognize when you come to Harbor Surfboards is Harbor Surfboards. Um, You know, back in the day, if you didn't have one of the key brands, you weren't relevant. Well, today that's quite a bit different in my opinion. I think it's important to have your own brand, the most relevant thing in the shop, and have those other brands as supporting characters. And I think um, they need to be, I need them as supporting characters because I can't do cut and sew like they can do cut and sew. So, you know, for the most part, the partnership has evolved. Right.
0: I saw a lot of Quicksilver yes. at night, but it, but it was a different looking area for Quicksilver. It didn't mm-hmm. look the same as every other surf shop.
1: And that's why the way I like it. I don't want to look the same as every other surf shop. Because I am small, I do realize that my display would be small as well. So therefore, if you go to a shop that carries perhaps more quick than we do, we look less relevant. So if I do it in a tasteful manner and make it sort of uh, special in the layout and choose products within their line that are relevant to our clientele, not the clientele that's in the Midwest or wherever the products would be more relevant for them, just cherry pick it. Right. Cherry pick these brands to make it something that is a California surf experience.
0: And that's one thing you were talking about is that you, uh, your philosophy on what kind of brands you pick and you want, you want them to be California focused.
1: Yeah. Right? I, I feel, I feel that the brands need to tell our story. Um, not we tell their story. Um, so yes, we are a California company. Yes, we are Southern California. Yes. I realize blends are global in their scope, but when I work with a company like O'Neill, they have roots. Those roots are like our roots. They started back in the 50s, and it helps tell our story. So I really enjoy brands that are uh, focused um, more or less on the surfing experience that had developed over time here in California.
0: Okay, and I also noticed Vistla has a really prominent space, and and you have some nice stuff from them. Why are you high on them?
1: I like Vistla. I like Paul. Um, I like the concept of a brand developed for surfers and surfing. I like the fact that he uh, built a brand, uh, the relevance of his brand, before even a stitch was actually produced or I saw a dang thing. He had a buzz about that brand before it even landed. And that to me was really exciting because it was surf-focused. It didn't seem like he wanted to take over the entire world. It seemed like he wanted to have a legitimate piece of what the surf market should be. So I love it.
0: Yeah, and then I also noticed you have a lot of olakai. Yeah, that's done Mm -hmm. well for you guys?
1: It does, and I was actually quite surprised at at, uh, many years ago when they first came on board. We were one of the first people to carry them, a high-end sandal, and I questioned it, but it was done so well. It was done so well, and it was done, um, what I feel, in a respectful way to uh, the concept of Hawaiian community, and... I've always felt that that was really good. It wasn't a kitsch approach to uh, marketing with a Hawaiian tone.
0: Right. And then Rainbow's, another big sandal brand for you. Rainbow's
1: amazing. I mean, I love Rainbow. And Rainbow's story is very similar to the Harbor Surfboard story. It just has so much roots, and it's so relevant. They don't need to change a whole bunch of skews in order to make that company work. They just need to continue to do what they do, and they'll be able to do that forever.
0: And people come in and ask
1: for it. Absolutely. yeah. Men, women, kids, they all come in and ask for it. And it's almost like a rite of passage. You need to get your rainbows. It's almost... Yeah, it is a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: what about, I was surprised um, when we were walking through, I was like, oh, I don't see any women's product in here, really. Uh,
1: (laughs) That's a scary one. We do love women, but at at the end of the day, I do not have the floor space to really do a proper job with women. And so we dabble in it. We have our own private label in women, and we are looking forward to bringing in some sister and seeing how that will work for us but um you know if i do women i would love to have more floor space and i'd love to do it really really well i'm quite confident in the way that we do the uh men's side of things so i'm less confident on the women's side of things so i don't want to make too many mistakes
0: yeah and will sister get like their own space or how will you
1: we will um the way we're going to set up sister is they will be in a location but we're not going to set up a um a specific layout that's similar to say how their store would look elsewhere so we're going to grow it organically we're just going to lay it down see how it goes build it smoothly slowly and hopefully make it fly
0: yeah have you had any surprises lately of stuff that's selling that surprised you whether it's a, a brand a trend uh you know shorter board shorts anything like that
1: um nothing that's that's overly surprised me because we've been been at this for a long long time there are certain things that trend out and trend in you mentioned length of board shirt of course it's gotten shorter and maybe it's 18 and a half right now And one point it was all 22 um but uh for the most part that um isn't so much of a surprise um back when when sofa surfer came out with uh that was a new thing and that was that was nice um you know but um One of the things that I am a little bit concerned about is some of the companies going too high-end and taking uh, a little bit of the sales out of the average consumer. And so when I see companies that have um, woven shirts that are over $100 or uh, board shorts that are exceeding the $100 barrier, uh, it worries me um, because I don't really think that the average surfer, who is really my primary concern, really thinks that's a value. Um, so I not, I'm not uh, trying to become a value company, but I want to make it relevant for those that are participants. And so that's my hope.
0: Yeah. And do you sell a lot of boards and a lot of wax and that sort of thing?
1: Well, I would like to think we get our share. And we do have a fair amount of surfers that live in this area and, and uh, travel to come to Harbor Surfboards. So, yes, of course, we're full service. But
0: you told me a very charming story when we were walking around looking at the pictures. And it was Rich Harbor, the, the founder. Mm-hmm. It was a picture of his mom. Ah, yeah. And then you kind of like tied it to Aaron Pye's mom in a way. Well. So, so like, <laughs> you know.
1: I'll try my best on that one. Um, I, I do believe Aaron Pye's mom, um, uh, I think her name is Miriam. Uh, was instrumental in Aaron's development at H S N S, and there's no question that Alice was extremely instrumental in the development of Harbor Surfboards and her son Ridge Harbor, because what mom would want their son to be a surfer, let alone a surfboard manufacturer, back in the 60s when surfing really wasn't looked upon. Surfers weren't really looked upon as the most upstanding of citizens, and where are you going to go in your life and all that sort of thing. So it's only recently that when somebody, a parent looks at somebody who surfs, oh, yeah, that's really good now. That's really great that you're out there in the water and, you know, active and all that. So that had to change over time.
0: Right. And then Aaron's mom, you said, was, uh, compared to what else was going on around Main Street, really believed in sort of the retail principles and business. I believe so. I I,
1: I believe so because – you know, when I, when I was uh, started off w- with Aaron, it's kind of a curious thing. Everybody that was a part of the original 1506 shop in Huntington Beach, for the most part, is still in the industry today. So, Eric John, EJ, uh, Greg Ostis, Jeff Ostis, Bobby Lockhart. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, so, and, and uh, anyway, don't, can't forget Duke. Yeah, You know, I mean, gee whiz, it it just goes on and on. So there was something that we all saw uh, back then, like, wow, you can actually make a living doing something that you love. This is really amazing. How can I continue to do that? And we all seem to find our way. We're all college guys. We all probably went to school for something other than the surf industry. And yet somehow we've made our way some 25, 30 years later, still in this crazy industry of ours.
0: Where did you go to college? I went to Long Beach State. Oh, you did? What did you major (laughs) in?
1: I was into plastics, if you can believe that. Wow. Yeah, so uh, industrial education. So, um, yeah, I would have gone to work for Northrop or Hughes or Douglas or something like that. And I went to an interview and I said, man, I don't want to be the guy behind the counter. This has got to change. So much to my parents, uh, uh, I don't know, dislike, um, I stayed within the surf industry. And um, fortunately, it worked out for me. I got lucky. I got really lucky.
0: Oh, well, I think you made something of it too. I'm guessing, yeah. so you've been in the surf industry a long time. What do you like about what companies are doing today, and what do you wish they would change
1: oh man that that's such a tough one um, you know because if I was on their board of directors, I can't honestly say that I'd do something different than they're doing. I think the pressure that they have to grow is one of their biggest problems. Um, it would be nice if you could develop a brand based around. The, just the people who uh, are participants in the sport. That would be great. Uh, we know what's realistic out there. We realize that brands have to grow. And me personally, I don't necessarily think being a publicly traded brand is healthy for the surf industry, the core portion of the surf industry. And, you know, that's always been a stretch uh, for me to to continue to support brands that, that uh, have agendas that are far greater than those that are on the coast. But on the other hand, I still still need a lot of the support from them um, on the cut-and-sew side and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's it's ever-evolving, and, and the pieces of pie are so small today. Um, it's just a very challenging place to be.
0: Yeah. And What do you do about online? What is your online philosophy? Are you selling online? Yes, we are. We have yeah. our
1: own online store. It is 100% now all Harbor Surfboards, and I really feel that that is the greatest thing because – I, I'm not a search engine optimization guy. I, I, you know, I, I don't do these things. And really, there's just no way that you're going to effectively sell. Maybe it was that way when it first started, but effectively sell some other larger company's product on your site. It just costs you too much to do it. And so for us, it's just all the relevant things. And that pairing it down to all the relevant things has brought us good success, not only online, but also in our store itself. So what's relevant? That's, yeah, that's what we need.
0: So it's profitable, your online business, and
1: yes, it is growing. It's got a, it's got a strong future. I believe it has a lot of room to grow.
0: What do you think of the retail business overall? I mean, you know, well, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there in retail.
1: Well, I'm not going to try to blow sunshine your way. I think it's really rough. I think it's really, really rough, um, and I don't feel that that's just rough in our industry. I think it's rough overall. I drive up and down the coast every day and you see vacancies from Laguna Beach all the way to Seal Beach, where years ago those stores would have been rented. So what does it mean to be a retailer today? I just believe that you have to embed yourself in the community. You have to first be relevant to those that live around you. And if you can't be relevant to those that live around you, I think you have a big problem. I also think it's exceptionally important that you develop uh, not only those relationships, (coughs) excuse me, but the private label that helps them feel good about where they're from.
0: Yeah. And and would you feel comfortable saying what percentage your <coughs> private label is?
1: Well, it fluctuates over the year. Obviously, in a holiday, it gets really, really great. Um, it's probably closer to 80% holiday and can probably go down to as far as 62, 65% for the rest of the year. And that has changed so much over the last four or five years. I can't even tell you. In what way? Oh, our private label has now helped us offset our losses for these other brands and so it's kept me alive and so if it wasn't for that we wouldn't be here i mean quite simply put we we can't sell enough of the major brands to keep the doors open
0: interesting wow and so how much time are you putting into your private label
1: as much as i can yeah as much as i can interesting so it's it's the primary focus it's um You know, and the the other thing, too, is regarding the other brands, I totally get it. I mean, a rep who comes to a smaller store isn't going to um, cash in on a whole lot. Right. So the amount of time that these guys are spending, and the reps now have larger territories that they're trying to reach out to more people to reduce their costs, I totally get it. So we very rarely get the help that we need um, to really foster certain brands in here because it's not cost effective for them to do so. So we're kind of semi on our own. And that's not to throw our, our, our reps under the bus. We have fantastic reps, but they're stretched thin. And the other thing is that they hands are tied in many ways. There's not a lot of, of uh, money out there to help support smaller brands like ourselves, whether it be um, doing unique windows or something unique for the shop, anything like that. So it's kind of played into our private label favor. Gotcha.
0: Well, that's good you have it.
1: We're very fortunate.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to me. I appreciate it. And the store looks great, I think. Oh,
1: thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Come by often. Yes. Okay. Yeah.